This is the Christian Without Religion Network, and I'm your host, Larry, bringing you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, with the help of God. On today's edition of the podcast here on Christian Without Religion, we're going to look at three uh, common questions. We've addressed them before, but they come in so often we wanted to revisit them. Uh, we're going to look at uh, taking communion of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. If you got a Bible, you can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That question comes in a lot. Uh, we're also going to look at uh, whether or not the King James Version of the Bible Bible is the best or the only version, as some would say. We're going to try to give you some practical answers in regard to that. And then, as I uh, alluded to in the Bible study and other uh, podcasts over the last week or two, we're going to look at uh, tolerance, acceptance, and celebration. There are a lot of things going on in the world today uh, in our society, particularly here in the West and in America, uh, we're asked to celebrate. And we're going to see how we've gone from tolerance to acceptance and uh, uh, approval all the way to we're being asked to celebrate. What would the Bible have to say about that. If you've got Bible questions, something you're studying or something you heard on our Bible study, your small group or Sunday school class or at church last Sunday, and you'd like a new covenant clarification, you can get a hold of us here at uh, uh, Christian Without Religion. Maybe you just want some life coaching. doesn't matter what area of life, any of the six major areas, if it's spiritual, mental, physical, uh, relational, financial, or vocational, uh, we'd love to give you new covenant answers and be of help in any way we can. Get a hold of us. You can email me directly, Larry W. Manning, the number one at gmail.com. You can message us on our Facebook page, Christian Without Religion. You can tweet at the CWR Network. If you like Twitter, you go to at the CWR Network and get a hold of us. Now, wherever you listen to this podcast, we're on, uh, of course, uh, Christian Without Religion page on Facebook, but uh, we originate from Anchor. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, many others. You could tap the uh, button there and leave a 60-second voice message. We'd love to be with you and help you in any way we can, pray uh, with you and for you. Uh, just contact us if you would. Well, let's start off today first with uh, whether or not the King James Version of the Bible is the only or the best version of the Bible. I'm going to upset and make some people really mad that I consider uh, friends, and we can agree to disagree. It's not a salvation issue, but I want to ask some rhetorical questions and then uh, just have you think through this, because uh, do I have a problem with the King James Version of the Bible? Absolutely not. Uh, but I want to ask some questions, because we have division in the body. We have whole denominations. We have whole fellowships that they'll uh, announce uh, King James only, and that's the only way. Every other way is corrupted. Every other translation is corrupted, and if you don't use the King James, then uh, you you were using a corrupted Bible, maybe not even saved. I find that to be ridiculous. We call this Christian without religion. I think that's man-made religion trying to divide rather than bring people together. Let me ask a couple of rhetorical questions, then we'll walk this backwards without getting too deep so that you can uh, study this for yourselves. Uh, number one, if King James is the only version, uh, the best version or the only version that we are to use, let me ask, for oh, 1,500 years from uh, the time of Christ uh, until the King James Version came about, how were people saved? They're saved by grace and through faith, but how they get the message? They didn't have a King James Bible. Was no one saved or were barely saved? Or they were just lucky, and, and it just makes no sense. Number two, uh, what if you don't speak English? majority of the uh, world back then, especially, and now, uh, don't speak English. What if you don't speak English? You say, oh, well, you can, have a, you can translate King James into another uh, language. Oh, wait a minute. You translated it into another language? You see where I'm going with this, folks? The original writings of the Old Testament were in Hebrew. The New Testament was in Greek and Aramaic. So if you are, unless you're uh, originally a Hebrew-speaking or Greek-Aramaic-speaking person, you, you're reading a translation. 
And to say that the King James Bible is the only Bible that one can be saved by or the only one that's not corrupted, uh, it's just so far-fetched. It's it's just crazy in my mind. Number one, I, I'm not that bright. I don't speak King James uh, Shakespearean English, uh, so I don't understand it as well. Uh, and I don't know that you have to study that to be able to understand God's grace, being saved by grace and through faith. Uh, secondly, we have had more translations and, and we found more documents, I should say, in the last hundred years that we can verify that our translations are accurate and correct. So there's some things we can touch up and do better and do differently and even more accurately now in 2019 than we could in say 1919 or 1819 or 1719. So there are some excellent translations out there. In fact, when my son came to ask me about which uh, version to get when he was in high school, we went through several that would be good. Uh, on the Bible study here at Christian Without Religion, I use the New American Standard Bible. It's a MacArthur Study Bible. Uh, my son landed on the New Living Translation, a fantastically accurate translation with great study notes. Uh, there are all kinds of good ones out there, folks. Now, God has saved uh, through the message of uh, His grace through faith, uh, saved people through the King James version of the story, millions of people, and he'll continue to do so, and it's fantastic. When people ask me uh, which Bible to read, I say, whichever one that you'll read every day. God can use whichever version through the Holy Spirit to uh, bring you uh, to salvation by grace and through faith. But to say any one version is the only version or all the rest are corrupt is a man-made construct and it's uh, more politics. Besides, if you'd gone back and studied King James, you'd understand that that version was put together more for political than spiritual reasons. King James himself was nuts. And uh, it was actually to break the hold of religion and the church only being the ones that could uh, read and study the Bible. They kept it for themselves and didn't have people read it on their own. He wanted one to get into the hands of the people in a contemporary language and translation. But King James himself was nuts. If you go and study history, folks, farthest thing you could uh, you see from a, a born-again Christian when this translation was put together. So when you ask, is it the best or the only? Absolutely not. Is it a great one? Yes, it is. Uh, are there others that you could read and more easily understand? Yes, there are. There are better study notes and we can more accurately translate. Now, there are a couple of ways to translate. You can translate word for word or you can translate uh, meaning for meaning. And uh, there are Bibles out there. So if you want to uh, study further, uh, there are Bibles out there. Some translate word for word, but words mean different things now. That's why some of the modern translations I think are better than King James because we've gotten closer to the meaning. Uh, and some translate uh, meaning or, or purpose for purpose. And that's what we want to get to. What do the words mean? Uh, you know, if I say red, but in your mind you picture blue, we've not communicated. Well, words have changed over the last 1,500 years, and there are words in the King James that mean things differently to us now. So when you read the Bible, that what you think and what you interpret is going to be different than the original meaning. And that's the purpose of studying the Bible. What did the author originally mean? What was God saying to us originally? Let me give you a couple of things. The Amplified Bible, you can find one free online. Download it to your phone or your tablet, your computer. The Amplified Bible, I think, is a great one for study. It's, it's, if you're going to sit down and read 15 minutes before you go to bed or a half hour before you go to bed, it's very wordy. It's, it's not an easy read. It's very wordy. However, it'll get to the gist of that word or phrase. So, you know, your typical uh, a verse may be twice as long, but they give all the different iterations of what that verse or phrase meant in the original language. A great one for studying. It's called the Amplified Bible, so you can hear the words for yourselves. On the other end of the spectrum, the message. Uh, 
the message, if you're going to sit down and read five minutes or 15 or 20 minutes before you go to bed, it's a very easy read. Very, It's a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. But I would not study from that because I think there are things that have been changed and rearranged and are not what the original meaning was or what the Bible originally said. I like the wordiness of things like Romans 12, 1 to 2, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I like, I like the way the uh, paraphrase of the message Bible says it. But I wouldn't use that to study the Bible. So we've got to use our brains, engage our thinking, put our thinking cap on and uh, and look, read two or three different versions. You can get a parallel Bible with four different versions uh, and read them side by side. You can do that on your phone. I've got it on my tablet on my phone and read it in three or four different uh, versions so that you can get the original gist and meaning of what the writer said because that's the point of studying the Bible. But we shouldn't have division. We shouldn't have people out there saying we're King James only and that's the only way and that's the only uncorrupted and I'm sorry you've gotten off into deep diving into conspiracy theories you know and uh uh, that, those kinds of things. I'm just, I'm just not into the X Files, you know, uh, for the re- religious world. And so that's my take on uh, King James only. This is the Christian Without Religion Network. I'm your host, Larry, bringing you three topics today on the Christian Without Religion podcast. Uh, the next two topics we're going to dive into. If you got a paper and pencil, or you want to get your Bible out. We're going to look at uh, uh, tolerance to acceptance to celebration in our society. But next, I want to look at. Um, bringing judgment on ourselves during communion or the Lord's Supper. So if you've got a Bible, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll read just a few things there. Now, I would refer you over to uh, our blog page, christianwithoutreligion.blogspot.com. christianwithoutreligion.blogspot.com. And I've got a uh, post there that's called The Truth About Communion the truth about communion. It just touches on it, but it'll teach about communion in general. I want to focus in on uh, and dial down on uh, the examining ourselves so we don't bring judgment on ourselves. Uh, You hear that all the time. Maybe you grew up hearing it, you know, not to take uh, the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner or we'll bring judgment on ourselves. Uh, You hear it a lot. And for people that I respect and uh, fellowships that uh, I I think are good places for people to gather and uh, to worship and, and study together. But folks, that has just been so misconstrued and misinterpreted and taught out of context. Now, I'm going to disagree with some of your favorite big-name uh, uh, pastors and teachers with a bunch of letters behind their names that that uh, I don't have, and in all due respect, we can agree to disagree. I want you to read the Bible in context, not out of context, not with man-made religious interpretations. So we're going to read chapter 11, and it's pretty apparent. Read it in two or three versions, what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the Corinthians here. Now, we've made it into bringing judgment on ourselves, but we're going to look at this. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, starting verse 27. He says, uh, actually, I'm going to go up to, to verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that Jesus on the night which he was betrayed took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do it to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, most of us in our church fellowship, whichever expression that you uh, happen to be uh, fellowshipping in, you'll hear that scripture used uh, for communion and the Lord's Supper, the, the Eucharist. And it's now back then it was part of a uh, meal, a family meal. They would stop and it would be a, a Lord's Supper to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now we do it part of a service, you know, on a Sunday, whether you pass out a, a loaf or a cracker, it is not relevant. But, uh, but this, this was part of a meal. Now he goes on to say, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of, of God, the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. 
For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that he will not be, we will not be condemned along with the world. So that's the part that people take out and, and uh, pass on to you. And even trying to be uh, considered, I think, uh, be Sunday morning, they'll say, if you're not a born-again believer, really, communion's not for you. You don't need to participate or just let it go by when it's passed or don't get up and uh, go grab it uh, up in the front of the, the uh, auditorium or whatever the case may be. But that's taking it out of context. What I gave you was the middle of Paul's writing here. What you've got to do is read a little bit before and a little bit after. And in most of your Bibles, it'll say conduct at the Lord's Supper. So if you go back to verse 17, and you see what I've done, I plucked out the middle, but without the context, you get a what? Con uh, you take the text out of, uh, excuse me, yeah, take the text out of context and all you have is a con. Satan has used this to divide us and we've got good people that are passing on bad teaching in this regard. Let's go back to verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And giving this instruction, I don't praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. In the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident. Therefore, when you meet together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will not praise you. Now that is what precedes what I just read, read to you, folks. That is what comes right before. Here's how I receive the Lord's Supper. Take my body and eat. Take this cup and eat. And examine yourselves. That's the context. People were showing up early, eating up all the food, drinking up all the wine, so there were people who had none and people who had uh, more than enough. And he's saying there's division and there's groups. In other words, there's cliques. <laughs> there's divisions among you. Obviously, some are on the in crowd and some are on the out crowd. And when it talks about uh, going to, uh, to sleep here, he's literally some are weak and some are sick. What happens when you overeat or you overindulge or have two or three glasses of wine and too much to eat on Thanksgiving? You tend to want to go to sleep. You tend to, to, to be passed out, don't you? And that's what Paul's talking about here when you read the original context. People are eating it up and drinking it up, but other people are showing up at the potluck dinner and the pitch in, and there's nothing left. Or all the good stuff was set aside for the certain crowd, the inside crowd, and the, the bad stuff was not. That's the judgment he's talking about from other believers in the crowd. You're not acting as Christ would act, that we're all the same, we're all family together. Some are being very selfish in this. He says, examine yourselves. You're going to be guilty of the body and the blood. Guilty to who? To other born-again believers. You're celebrating the fact that the Lord's Supper, here's the irony. We're talking about having judgment and sinning and God killing people because they take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. What did Jesus die on the cross for? He paid for all of our sins. They're behind God's back. He doesn't remember them anymore as far as the east is from the west. That's the new covenant. You're celebrating the new covenant, and then you're turning around and saying, but don't do this in the wrong way or God's going to get you. No. Other people are judging you because you've eaten up all the food or you've drank all the wine, and you're saying, man, this is no different than the rest of the world. We've got cliques here. We've got some people that are selfish. We're not all one body in this. We're not all remembering this together. It's a very practical teaching that we've taken out of context. So if you worry about taking an unworthy manner, or as my testimony, you can tell I'm pretty uh, uh, wound up about this because I spent years, oh, 20, 15, 20 years as a Christian, scared to death when they passed communion 
communion around every week because I'm asking God to forgive me over and over, not understanding that I was already forgiven, wondering if he would still forgive me because I've asked forgiveness for that particular sin multiple times, week after week, year after year, scared to death I was taken in an unworthy manner, and uh, I dreaded uh, communion and the Lord's Supper. That's not what it's supposed to be. Paul calls it a cup of thanksgiving. It's a celebration of what Jesus did, not what we're doing. And this passage is not about getting your heart right before God and uh, make sure you have all your unconfessed sin out of your life or you're taking an unworthy manner or God's going to get you. Well, I got news for you. Even your unconfessed sin was paid for on the cross, folks. That's what you're celebrating with the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is about Him, we, and us. It's not about me. And it's about saying thank you for what you did. Because no matter what I do, I can't screw up what you did, Jesus. That's what communion's about. Religion wants to tell you, don't take it in an unworthy manner. You might be in judgment on yourself. Folks, that is a sloppy, lazy interpretation. Read Scripture in context. And when you read all through chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, you're going to understand The judgment that's coming is not from God. It's from other people. When we are judged, we're disciplined by Lord, so we will not be condemned along with the world. When we are judged by whom? Other folks. It brings us, how are we judged? Hey, you're being selfish. We need to be considerate of others. What's Scripture teach? Consider others more important than yourselves. Put others first so that we won't be condemned along with the world. If you're a born-again believer, you're not condemned with the rest of the world. It's saying act like who you are. Don't be selfish. Don't be self-centered, especially around the Lord's Supper, especially around the communion table when it ought to be about us and family and the body of Christ lifting up and thanking God for what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. Uh, you can tell I get pretty pumped up about that, but it's just lazy and it's just a religion and it's just another way to keep people in the bondage of religion instead of the freedom in Christ. Read 1 Corinthians 11 in context. Go over to our blog page, christianwithoutreligion.blogspot.com and you'll see commentary, the truth about communion or the Lord's Supper. This is the Christian Without Religion podcast. I'm your host, Larry. We've got one topic left today on the podcast and that is uh, the the transition in culture from uh, tolerance to acceptance and approval all the way to celebration. Very, very uh, hot topic in and out of the church. And I want to kind of give you my comments or thoughts or commentary on it because we're all dealing with it in one way or another. When I say tolerance for different things, I mean that in the best way. And I mean grace and accepting one another just as God accepted us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So God loved the sinners, but hated the sin, right? We've heard that phrase. We all have things in our life. None of us are better than uh, one another. We all have things that we are still continually working on to let the Holy Spirit live in and through us to perfect us and and, uh, make us more uh, holy as uh, life goes or make us more uh, Christ life as life goes on. We started in society here in America, and whether you like it or not, we came from a Judeo-Christian background and foundation. Now, we could argue that point, but you would lose that debate because we did. (laughs) Came from a Judeo-Christian background and the the, the Bible and Ten Commandments. and You read the Magna Carta, read the Declaration, read the Bill of Rights, all that stuff comes uh, from a a Judeo-Christian biblical uh, mindset. But we came from a society where it was, you've heard the phrase, live and let live. That, that everyone was free to, to be and do what they would like to do if they weren't affecting others, if they weren't affecting their life, liberty, and property, then you could do what you want to do in, in your world and your property. Now you come out into community and society and we have rules and regulations and laws because now we're interacting with others. But basically, live and let live. 
And as an American, as a in, in the good sense of the word, as a liberal, the, the true sense of the definition of liberal or libertarian person, I agree with that. I like that. When you're at home, in the privacy of your home, you can do what you want to do. And if it's not affecting somebody else's life, liberty, and property. And as Christians, we love one another, even when we don't agree with everything that one another is doing. Uh, we all have family and friends that are making lifestyle choices that we don't particularly agree with. That doesn't mean we don't love them anymore. We're not friends with them anymore. That doesn't mean we have to approve of it. We don't agree with it, but we love them. Now, that's tolerance. We, we come together and we tolerate one another. And Jesus never forced himself on anyone else. He spoke the truth. He called people out. But he didn't force himself. He said, look, you decide. You be the judge. Every person has to judge for themselves. We transitioned in society. And we started talking about this in the late 80s, early 90s on my radio program. And uh, this culture war that's been talked about really started in the 60s. But we, we, we were talking about it uh, on radio uh, back in the 80s, some 35 years ago. We went from tolerance to a point in America where now we have to accept slash approve of everyone's lifestyle. If you don't accept and approve them, now I may accept them as an individual. I don't accept their choices, but we can agree to disagree and be friends and be family and love one another and be gracious and tolerant towards one another. But then it came a point where now you accepting and tolerating one another is not enough. You have to approve of it. If you don't approve of it, then you're hateful and you're not loving. Well, the Bible is very clear on lots of things. And, of course, the, the most uh, popular topic that's out there right now that most of you are probably thinking of is the uh, uh, sexuality. And our society has gone back to the way it was 2,000 years ago. Nothing's new under the sun in regard to sexuality and that anything goes. And that we have to approve of anything and everything. Now, I may love someone in my family or friends that we have different views of sexuality. But that doesn't mean I have to approve of their choices. We can be friends. We can be family. Family, but if the question comes up or if we were asked, hey, what do you believe in regard to this topic? We can have differing opinions on those uh, topics and still be friends. This society, though, has moved us over into a realm of you must approve of and subsidize. And now it's celebrate those choices. Not only do we have to tolerate, but we have to accept, approve, and celebrate those choices. And in a society that began as a Judeo -Christ with Judeo-Christian values and began as a very uh, Christian-friendly or uh, Christian-oriented society, we've gone the other direction. So now I'm being told that if I don't not only approve, but celebrate these diverse and unbiblical choices, that I'm hateful. Well, folks, we're told in the Bible that in this world we will encounter various trials. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You will have trial and tribulation in this world. And I think that's this is one of the areas where there are going to come a time when people that we know and love, people that we respect and that we uh, are family and friends with, are going to want us to celebrate the very unbiblical choices in their life. And we're going to have to say, I can't do that. I love you. We're family. We're friends. And we uh, continue to be family and friends. And we have grace towards one another. And we uh, treat with one another with uh, mercy and grace and uh, consider others more important than themselves. But I'm not going to change the values that I have. Uh, we can agree to disagree in that area. And and there's going to be pushback. We're going to have to fight 
for that in our lives personally, in our lives as a society. And I'm just talking on the personal level here. If you want to get uh, involved on a societal level and work for new laws, that's something that God may put on your heart to do. But I'm talking about with our own uh, family and our own uh, close friends. We've got to be able to respect one another enough to know that we can agree to disagree. But I'm not going to change this principle, this uh, core value that I have that is uh, based on the Bible. Uh, that says X, just because society says now I have to uh, not only approve it, but I've got to celebrate it. I'm not going to celebrate it or subsidize it or help you with it because that would go against everything that I believe the Bible says. And so we're, we're in a very precarious situation here in society now. And many of you listening have this situation in your lives. Uh, I know I have, and I know most of you have, where it's a close friend or family member, a cousin, friend, son, daughter, uh, niece, nephew, being gracious, being tolerant as Jesus was, is one thing, but approving and celebrating of non-biblical lifestyles, quite another. Be on guard, be loving, be gracious. You never argue anybody into the kingdom. Uh, I think it's uh, actually through forgiveness and grace and mercy and love that more people by far and away are uh, lured into the kingdom of God and understanding his mercy. But do not compromise your values. Pray for strength. Pray for strength from the Holy Spirit to not compromise your values, but to live them in a gracious way towards others, even as the society heads 180 degrees the other direction to where we not only have to be tolerant, but we have to celebrate non-biblical attitudes. I hope this has been helpful today here on the Christian Without Religion Network. Three topics. If you've got questions about the Bible or about these three topics, something you heard at church last week, or maybe you just like some life coaching and some biblical new covenant answers, please get a hold of us. Uh, you can email me directly, Larry W. Manning, the number one at gmail.com. You could, wherever you listen to this podcast, you could tap the uh, little button on the screen there and leave a 60-second voice message. You could also message us on our Facebook page, Christian Without Religion. Or if you like Twitter, you could uh, go, you could tweet us at the CWR Network, at the CWR Network. Hey, I'm going to be doing a uh, weekend message here on Friday. It'll carry you through the weekend, so look for that. It'll be from the book of Hebrews. If you missed it, our live Bible study is Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook page, but you could... Uh, look it up and listen to it now recorded host a watch or listen party so everybody on your page could uh, listen and watch it it's every Tuesday night we're going through first Thessalonians right now please look for that I'll repost it but we did it on Tuesday night we've had several hundred already uh, join us for that that'll be every Tuesday and every weekend we have a message right now we're going through Hebrews here on the Christian Without Religion Network we want as many people as possible to get on board the grace train because when grace moves in, religion moves out. We're all about relationship with Jesus and not religion. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to replace religion with himself, and that's what we're about here at Christian Without Religion. We'll look for you uh, for the, with the weekend message here in a day or two. If you need anything, please get a hold of us. And You know what I want you to do. Until we meet again next time, go hang out with Jesus.